This is the Sport Market, featuring the bulls and bears of sport business from coast to coast. Here's your host, Tom Manekt. You always hear the expression, lull before the storm. Well, this is a little bit of a lull after the storm. And that storm is another NFL season in the books. Super Bowl 58, the most watched Super Bowl in history, the most watched American telecast on record. 123.7 million average viewership south of the border and a whopping 10 million here in Canada. And check that out. It's one of the things we'll get into in our podium funded by Alpine Credits. One thing that not enough of us are talking about is how big the Super Bowl has become in Canada. You're talking 10 million average viewership, a a, a, a cumulative reach of 19 million Canadians. Almost one of every two Canadians watch some or all of the Super Bowl. Pretty Pretty amazing stuff from a sport television point of view, from a sport engagement point of view. And this year was also a tipping point for female numbers for a variety of reasons, including the obvious one, the Swift effect, but also digital and social and video views going through the roof. That's all part of what makes Super Bowl 58 our gold medal story this week. We are going to be joined by Rick Horror, the sport professor. We're going to talk not only final reflections on the Super Bowl and the NFL season that was, but also NBA All-Star Weekend. And stuff is starting to get serious in the National Hockey League, especially for the Canadian-based franchises that are very much in playoff contention. Of course, we know the Vancouver Canucks, Peg Jets, who play each other tonight are very much in the conversation. Edmonton Oilers, after a horrific start, have really turned it on, and they're vying for a divisional playoff position. Toronto Maple Leafs, although they've been inconsistent, are in a wildcard position as we speak. And then the Calgary Flames are hard to figure out. That front office will have to let us know whether they're going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline, but there's, you can't dismiss them. They're still within striking distance of a second wildcard berth. In addition to our podium funded by Alpine Credits, we're also going to roll out our opening bell commentary. We'll check out the Billion Dollar Club, some franchises worth 10 figures. We'll also check into some hot stuff on our weekly merchandising and apparel report. We'll be joined not only by the sports professor, Rick Horo, but by our collectibles guru, Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. Tino Farah is in the producer's chair. I'm Tom Manek. And again, we're both very happy to have you along for the ride. One that will begin with our opening bell commentary. This show is the stock market of sport, the sport market. It's about the ups and downs. It's about the peaks and valleys, the the business winners and losers, the so-called bulls and bears. But there are a few 
overarching storylines that define the top line of the business of sport. And they've been with us for years and they'll continue to be part of our agenda here on the sport market. One is the trend of money flowing from Europe and North America into the Middle East and Asia. And if you really want to have any conversation about the business of sport, you need to be able to follow the money. There's that overarching storyline of sport as real estate, as the hottest real estate on the planet. Valuations going up faster than revenues themselves from multiples of four to six to eight, and now in some cases, 10 times revenue. That's a definite high end of the business of business. Global marketing has always been a big theme, especially for the NBA, but now it's becoming basically staple fare for all leagues. You want to survive in North America, you've got to be big globally. And we see what the NFL is doing, of course, Mexico, Canada, United Kingdom, Germany, and now Brazil and Spain. That's only going to continue. Major League Baseball and the Olympics. The NBA has always been very well marketed globally. And of course, soccer is the global game. NHL, in my view, is finally getting its act together in terms of international competition and global marketing. You've got a very new trend of digital AI, and it's on showcase this weekend at the NBA All-Star Weekend, NBA I. There's going to be a big focus on interactive technology, experiential opportunities. Then there's the, 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 the battle between the convenience of on-demand, which we're using for pretty well everything non-sports these days, to true live. And what the NFL proves is if you do live television as appointment television and you drive it as a social phenomenon, you're going to get buy-in. And that's exactly what's happened. But the other story that we have to embrace and honor and actually be pretty excited about, it's becoming one of those overarching stories, and that is women in sport. And we'll close off with this thought from last night, 19,285, a new record for women's professional hockey, a new record for women's hockey, period. Toronto beats Montreal 3-0 at Scotiabank Arena and does so in front of 19,285 fans. Here's our podium. Now, with the top three sports business stories of the week, here's the Sport Market Podium, funded by Alpine Credits. Own your home and need a loan? Homeowners get approved. Apply now at alpinecredits.ca. For background on the stories, go to thesportmarket.biz. Our number three sport business story, the bronze story on the podium funded by Alpine Credits. It is another breakthrough in the storyline of women in sport. In this case, women in broadcasting. NBC California this week announcing that Jenny Cavalar will be the first primary female play-by-play commentator in Major League Baseball history. She'll do so with the Oakland Athletics. And in doing so, she'll join trailblazers like Becky Hammond, formerly assistant coach in the NBA, Kim Ng, formerly general manager of the Miami Marlins, uh, the first female umpires, the first female officials. Now, Jenny Cavlar is making her mark, taking advantage of more opportunities for women in sport. 
for? Gosh, well, I, I think when I filled in in 2018, you know, there was a historical significance there of being the first to do it in 25 years. Yeah. But continuing on this path, opening up a new dream to do it is so special. And, and I'd be remiss if I did not thank Susan Waldman, who has been a long-time analyst on the mm -hmm. Yankees radio, uh, Melanie Newman, who does a fantastic job with the Baltimore Orioles, and what a great hire there. And she got the opportunity to work through the minor league ranks to do it. And Jessica Mendoza, who's been in the booth. I mean, we're chipping away, right, Hoda? Yeah. At just kind of opening that door for the next generation and really having the idea that representation matters. It does matter. It does. The next generation of girls is going to have something to look at, that there's lots of jobs in sports. Jenny Cavalar, the first primary play-by-play -play host in Major League Baseball history. Uh, she'll make that mark this spring. In the silver medal position... Our number two sport business story of the week is named after the commissioner of the NBA, Adam Silver. NBA All-Star Weekend. This is Fan Engagement 101. It was fun to see, you know, to receive those chants, um, you know, in the Rising Stars game. I feel like I haven't really got that feeling in the NBA. You know, one day I want to be MVP. So it was great to have that, you know, that feeling pretty early in my career. Benedict Mathurin, one of the young stars being showcased in Indianapolis on NBA All-Star Weekend. This is Silver on the podium because this NBA All-Star game shows you that Adam Silver has transformed and is transforming the NBA into what he said it should be a few years ago. He said, listen, we've got to be about younger audiences, replenishing those audiences, want our television to look more like a video game. And you're starting to see it. Wemby and Adam Silver showcasing some NBA AI adaptations where Spider-Man themes can be worked into the NBA game that you're watching. Of course, that'll only get stronger through the growth of AI over time and machine learning over time. But the court that you're going to see, if you haven't already, is just unbelievable. An interactive glass court in Indianapolis. We're going to get into more of that with Rick Hoare, the sport professor, in just a couple of moments. But our gold medal story, our number one sport business story, it is Super Bowl 58, the television numbers, and in particular, the female engagement in Super Bowl 58, watching Patrick Mahomes do his stuff. Patrick Mahomes suggesting they're not done. Travis Kelsey talking about three-peat. The Kansas City Chiefs are a remarkable story and they're gold on the podium. But check this out. One of the fresh storylines here, 47.5% of the audience for Super Bowl 58 were women. That's a record. Female viewership 18 to 24 up 24%. That's the swift effect. Teenagers up 11%. Female audiences overall up 9%. A total of 185.6 million wagered in Las Vegas and Nevada alone. You've got basically 62.8 million interactions. The social media on this has been through the roof. A billion video views on Paramount and TikTok platforms of CBN 
Nickelodeon, and Paramount+. Plus. Those are over-the-top numbers, tipping-point numbers for the Super Bowl. The most-watched telecast since the lunar landing in 1969. We're going to get into all of that with Rick Horror, the sport professor, next, right here on The Sport Market. Now more of The Sport Market, rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there! Hartman! Jackpot! Kansas City! And this was the Andy Reid special. This was the Andy special we talked about. He was saving all day. A repeat for the Kansas City Chiefs as Super Bowl champions. Third Super Bowl of the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes Jr. era and sets up the opportunity for them to do something really special, and that is a third consecutive Super Bowl. And that is a heck of a lot harder to do than it is to say. We're going to check out the Chiefs under the microscope of being a franchise worth 10 figures. The Billion Dollar Club. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs, their Forbes valuation, $4.3 billion. They've had tremendous growth these past five years, uh, going from uh, just just over a billion dollars to now $4.3 billion. And the brand value of the Kansas City Chiefs will only grow more going forward. And think of it, it's remarkable. You've got Kansas City, which is basically a twin city kind of situation. The Kansas City Chiefs are from Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas City, Kansas. But even the Missouri side, KCMO, so to speak, population in that urban area, 508,000. In Kansas City, Kansas, it's 154. So you're basically talking three quarter of a million people. But that's become a global brand on the strength of number 15 and company. Someone who's a real student of global brands, national brands, and the business of sport is the sport professor, visiting sport business expert at Harvard University. We're talking Rick Horro, regular contributor to the sport market on the Sport Market Radio Network and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Rick, your big impressions, your major takeaways from Super Bowl 58 last week? Well, a few things. Uh, Value the Chiefs up immeasurably, value the NFL up 10% new fandom because of the Kansas City Swifties that never existed before. The 150 million U.S. viewers, not surprising because now streaming is the nature of the day and we're learning how to count television eyeballs differently and better than we used to. And also, the international flavor of the NFL on the heels of commitments in Germany and commitments in Spain and obviously Brazil. So the NFL's getting bigger and better. And the other piece, which is really important as well, is that, um, you know, we, we need to learn something out of a tragedy as well. This was not a case of anybody expecting what a horrendous thing that happened post victory parade. But maybe now with uh, uh, thoughts and prayers, that's not enough. But if you add the sports and entertainment dimension to these shootings and the tragedies, uh, maybe we get something more done. I can't guarantee it, 
But I will say that if something like that happens and if there is some new political uh, leveraging for reform, uh, this will be remembered as the most important Super Bowl yet. But we have to see. Taylor Swift is the sport business MVP of Super Bowl 58. One of the most compelling things she did and and, and arguably uh, most important things she did was make the contribution of $100,000 to the family of Lisa Lopez Galvin who lost her life in that, in that senseless uh, shooting. Taylor Swift will forever be associated with Super Bowl 58. To me, no matter if, if she and Travis Kelsey uh, aren't back in the Super Bowl or, or they don't stay together... She's made her mark because I think this sets a trajectory for uh, non-domestic U.S. viewing, for for international viewing. I think you're going to see as much, if not more, growth outside of the United States as you are going to see in the U.S. Uh, What's your take on that? Yeah, absolutely right. And, uh, you know, international audience, let's see how the honeydew list works both ways because I'm told that the – Travis Swift. By the way, he has officially changed his name from Travis Kelsey to Travis Swift, as we predicted. Uh, okay. Travis Swift and the and the and the Swifties uh, will be at most of her concerts next year. Unlike the Chiefs and the playoffs, the concerts usually have a predictable end. In fact, the playlist is almost the same every week. Unlike uh, the Chiefs' performances, but yet he's going to a lot of them. So let's see how this survives. I'm assuming it's authentic and nothing beats love. But let's see it flip around because now what we have is every international concert she has, there will now be an NFL overlay to it. So just think about that. It's unbelievable. We're talking to Rick Hor, the sport professor, visiting sport business expert from Harvard University. You can follow him on X at Rick Horro, H-O-R-R-O-W. Rick, what was most impressive to you? The American average viewership of 123.7 million on the CBS platforms, the cumulative reach of 202.4 million who watched some or all of the Super Bowl or the fact that there were a billion video views on Paramount Plus and uh, CBS uh, Sports TikTok platforms alone? Uh, Number two and number three tied. Number two, because we're finally getting around to uh, I would give Mark Lazarus, uh, my buddy who, you know, uh, uh, NBC Sports, who first said years ago, look, we got to figure out how to count one uh, viewer in church and one viewer on TV isn't the same because a church viewer is 50 other people and bar viewers are, you know, 100 other people. So let's get real with Nielsen Plus. And so the cumulative is the answer. And then the second piece of this is the idea of, uh, of uh, you know, what happens with the snippets, the pieces, the paramount, and now we're learning how to quantify people. And the records will continue to be higher, not just because we had the Swifties and a great event and Mahomes, but also we're getting to an age where the count is truer than it used to be. It used to be a fiction. It still had all of the uh, uh, ratings records. And, and now, you know, the only thing that is even close to the Super Bowl viewership is the lunar landing. And if we all now understand that it really didn't happen, it happened in Arnold Schwarzenegger's backyard. Now we realize that the real events, all of them are Super Bowls, not just everyone, but one. What do you think of that? I I think, 
I think that that is exactly where we're going on this. Uh, the cumulative audiences being, uh, as if not more important, the international audiences really being important for uh, the National Football League. And again, uh, there is some room for growth because there'll be more of the out-of-home viewership meters in the marketplace next year. Uh, they've really got another third of the country to uh, to cover properly, and so I do think that there's some growth there. Hey, listen, we've just got a couple of minutes here. Wanted to touch upon Adam Silver and the NBA. He said a few years ago, we need to work with sports betting, not against it. That's what wind up happening. He said a few years ago, he wants NBA television to look more like video games. You look this weekend, you're starting to see the signs of it. Adam Silver is transforming the NBA, getting it set for the next uh, century. What is most impressive about his leadership uh, as we market during All-Star Weekend? Here's what I think it is. I think it's the fact that there is no, you know, Adam Silver pro- pro- uh, prohibited and put a bounty on, on defense. So, you know, the over-under in the All-Star game is, what, 390? So there is no defense. <laughs> it's kind of like what the NHL does on the three-on-three. Other than the fact the game is not competitive, the All-Star weekend is a trade show for people in the business, as we know. And so, you know, having just come back from Vegas, uh, it is not inconceivable that we're now going to have a franchise you know, made for Vegas, which will be the fourth team in town, and there's too many teams there. Well, maybe, except it is Vegas. And so Adam Silver has done a tremendous job to increase franchise values, kind of the same blueprint that the NFL has done. And when you're so good, you rely on luck to help you. Nobody knew that uh, Steve Ballmer would help kickstart that value bonanza by bidding and closing on a $2 billion deal for the Clippers. And now the Intuit Dome is going to make some of that money back. But then that begat an entirely new level of values. So the NBA doing the right thing, sky's the limit. Rick, have an amazing first weekend post-Super Bowl, post-NFL season, and we'll check in with you again next week. Thanks for everything you do for the sport market. Absolutely, my man. Talk to you next week. He is Rick Horro, the sports professor. We pivot to Ken Richardson, our collectibles guru, our trading card expert, talk about the power of the NFL in apparel and also where the NBA is going and his take on Canada's NHL franchises heading into the stretch run of this NHL season. You're listening to us rate and debate the bulls and bears of sport business on the sport market. You're listening to the sport market. Once again, here's your host, Tom Manette. Professional Women's Hockey League record setter Friday at Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. 19,285 in attendance. It sets a new record for not only women's professional hockey, but women's hockey, period. 
very impressed with all the buttons that uh, Mark Walters, Stan Kasten, and the uh, rest of the PWHL front office have pressed here. They're tapping into a really important moment, uh, more female engagement and participation in the business of sport, uh, sport television, sport apparel, basically sports stardom, Caitlin Clark, becoming the all-time NCAA women's basketball scoring leader and doing so in a way that is doubling, tripling, quadrupling face value of prices. That is how hot she is on for as a member of the Ohio, sorry, uh, Iowa Hawkeyes. We've got Ken Richardson, our collectibles guru, standing by, but we're first going to check out some hot stuff. Hot stuff. What's hot in jerseys, merchandising, and licensing on the sport market? What is hot? And we've been talking about this a lot on this show over the past few years. Third jerseys, alternate jerseys, including what's coming in Major League Baseball this spring, and that is the Nike City Connect Series. Toronto Blue Jays, one of nine teams who will have City Connect jerseys. These alternative jerseys, uh, some of them super, others, mm, you know, not so much. But, for example, the Milwaukee Brew Crew, that's pretty cool stuff given the business culture, uh, the economic culture of uh, 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 Wisconsin. You've got the Cubs, the LA Dodgers. No wonder they'd be one of them. The Philadelphia Phillies from one of the most uh, rabid sport markets in North America. St. Louis Cardinals, one of the few markets where baseball is still king. And the New York Mets from the Big Apple. In the American League side of things, you've got the Jays, you've got the Tampa Bay Rays, the Minnesota Twins, and the Detroit Tigers. All nine of those franchises will have Nike City Connect alternate jerseys this year. And again, as part of a growing trend to offer fans more than just the typical home and away jerseys. Ken Richardson is our collectibles guru from pastime sports and games he's coming to us this weekend from the vancouver fan expo it's sort of the cancom of um uh, uh comic books superheroes uh tabletop games and a heck of a lot more uh ken it's a crazy weekend i know so much of your focus is on the sports side of collectibles and trading cards and apparel but this is an opportunity to literally party it up with a whole new subculture, one that has a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, it certainly is. And uh, pop culture is a big business this day, these days. Everything from Pokemon, Star Wars, anime, and so many more things. But uh, there truly is a collector for everything out there. What do you think is the same about sports collectors and non-sports collectors, and what is different from a demographic point of view? Uh, Well, the the thing that's the same is the passion, whether it's sports or pop culture or whatever it is that that captures your imagination, whatever that interest in is that you have in it. uh, The passion is there in collectors and their they're really out to get and collect the things that they love. 
no, no, no problem. One of the things that uh, ha- has been shared with me is just there's obviously different values. Some of the premium cards only exist in the sports side of things, but that doesn't mean that value of uh, Disney cards and 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 Pokemon cards isn't increasing. We're talking to Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. Let's shift gears back to the sports side of things. Another NFL season is finished. San Francisco 49ers don't win the Super Bowl, but like the Chiefs, they come off of Super Bowl 58 with a heck of a lot more jerseys sold and a heck of a lot more recognition worldwide than they had coming in. The 49ers, a national heritage brand, sold 100,000 jerseys since the end of the regular season. The Kansas City Chiefs are putting a small market of uh, uh, not much more than 500,000 putting them as, as putting themselves forward as a global brand what is it uh, that makes the super bowl in particular and the nfl such a powerful juggernaut in terms of apparel well i think i think the league itself is just such a juggernaut and it's it's something people can plan for you know we already know what the the date for super bowl is going to be next year and and people can uh, plan around it. And, you know, that's not something we can say about any of the other leagues. Um, so that long-term planning isn't, isn't there. And everyone wants to wear their, their team colors. And everyone wants to support a winner. So when the teams advance in, in pretty well any league, we do see uh, – increases in sales across the board but the nfl definitely is destination television that people really plan around more than the other sports uh, we've talked about this before but the, it's all the jerseys the apparel is the simplest of any of the major sports you've essentially got numbers on the front and the back and a very very small logo it really uh comes so much more from color coded tribes uh you know it, it from from the color themes of each franchise that's how they're defined as opposed to uh, the emphasis on the logo but you've pointed out that the nfl is probably the only sport where accessory sales i.e helmet sales are such a significant part of the whole merchandising push yes absolutely we we see it in uh so many uh, different accessories and helmets, things that the, the, the players wear on the field from the on-field, uh, hats from New Era and brands like that. And it's, it's interesting, when you have a big NFL fan, you can go into their home and they have uh, just about everything right across the board from whether it's a cutting board or a clock on the wall and Almost everything can be branded these days with your favorite team. Last one for you, Ken. Uh, We're angling for a lot of scoreboard watching uh, for fans of the seven Canadian-based franchises. Uh, Obviously, the Habs and the Ottawa Senators are out of contention. The Flames are hanging on by a thread. It'll be interesting to see what they do at the trade deadline. A lot of scuttlebutt and talk around uh, 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 everybody from uh, Markstrom to Tanef. Whether or not there'll be Flames after the trade deadline is, 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 is an open question. But 
you look at the Vancouver Canucks first overall, the Winnipeg Jets having a good season, those two teams playing at Rogers Arena. Uh, you look at the Edmonton Oilers, the resurgent Edmonton oh. Oilers, and the Toronto Maple Leafs in the biggest market in the uh, country. Uh, we're, it looks like we're going to have four of seven teams in the playoffs. What can you expect in terms of merchandising sales and all collectibles associated with those Canadian teams that make it to the playoffs? What kind of a bump are we looking at? Well, making the playoffs, we'll, we'll certainly see uh, a little bit of a bump, but every round it's exponential. So, I mean, if we, if the Vancouver Canucks, for example, was, were to make it to the Stanley Cup final, it would be impossible to find a jersey on a rack anywhere in the city. And uh, that would, you know, spread to across the country. I don't believe, you know, finding one that's, you know, officially licensed would be even a possibility if when it came to the fourth round. Um, so, and in Canada, you know, we're, we're so, you know, hockey centric um, and there's so many hockey fans in the country. If, if a Canadian team made it, made it to the final, I don't, I don't think it would matter what team it would be is, is inventory across the country would be wiped out. We saw that, of course, with the Flames uh, back in 2004, uh, the Sea of Red. We saw it with the Oilers in 2006 and certainly uh, the Canucks in, in, in 2011. Here's to a Canadian team, or here's to several Canadian teams having deep runs into a Canadian team hoisting Lord Stanley's mug. Enjoy the Fan Expo and Ken, look forward to uh, teaming up with you to co-host Pastime Radio, the collectible show uh, later this weekend on the uh, Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. All the best. He is Ken Richardson of Pastime Sports and Games. You can reach him at ken at pastimesports.ca. We're going to close out this segment with a lighter side take on the business of sport. The Sport Market on Sportsnet 650 presents The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson. Something was lost in this whole Ridley Gregg empty net debate. Five years ago, the Senators would have missed that shot. Gregg, the anti-Patrick Stefan. Ryan Reeves said, make hockey violent again. Uh-oh, get me for the MHBA ball caps. You know someone's working on those. White lettering on red, red for blood. Kings Golden Knights preseason game announced for Salt Lake City next season. But they couldn't get the Sharks and Coyotes. Somebody called Boise, Idaho. Vancouver Canucks have Phil Kessel skating in Abbotsford. Their current roster is excited about him joining as their fitness evaluations are greater on a bell curve. Nick Taylor was the manager of Waste and Scottsdale. Next up, the 1-800-GOT-JUNK open, which has an especially rowdy gallery. It's a thin line between the 1-800-GOT-JUNK open and the Facebook marketplace invitational. If you had told me Nick would be the number one tailor of the weekend, I would have said you were crazy. But there he was, swiftly but gently. You've been listening to The Rolfson Report, the comedy of sport with Torben Rolfson, a special feature of the sport market. Listen again on the podcast and stay tuned Tuesdays at noon at facebook.com slash the sport market. Now more of the sport market, rating and debating the bulls and bears of sports business. Yeah, I mean, I, I had, look, I'm 65, okay? I just started a five-year term. That Do that math, right? That makes me 70 years old. You can only have so much fun. Um, in one lifetime, um, I have been open with them uh, 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 about the fact that this is going to be my last term. Um, 
you know, I said it before, the, to them before the election in July, and I'm absolutely committed to that. Um, I, I'm sure the selection process is going to look like it looked the last time. There'll be a committee of owners um, that'll be put together, um, and you know, they'll identify candidates via you know interview process, and ultimately someone or a slate of people will be put forward. That is the voice of Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred indicating that he is now in a term, a five-year term, that will be his last as commissioner of baseball. And make no mistake, the best fun that he could have is really building out a legacy. And if I'm Rob Manfred and I'm talking about expansion and realignment the way I've been talking about it the last five years, I'm doing everything I can to see that through. Watch for the potential of Major League Baseball expansion during this five-year period. Watch for potential realignment in one of the different models that Rob Manfred has put out there for MLB. We still have a lot of ground to cover here. We're going to revisit the Sport Market Podium funded by Alpine Credits, our top three sport business stories of the week, uh, including a few things about the Super Bowl television side of things that I don't think enough people are talking about. But first, we're going to check out the hottest franchises in North American professional sport. The Sport Market Power Rankings, the hottest performing franchises in North American professional sports. Our power rankings blend the wins and losses with the business side of things. Everything from franchise valuation and revenues to television numbers and attendance. And on that note, shout out to the $6 billion San Francisco 49ers. They get an honorable mention despite their loss to the Kansas City Chiefs at Super Bowl 58. There's still a lot to like about where this franchise is at. And certainly its following speaks for itself. More than 100,000 49ers jerseys sold since the end of the regular season. In the association, honorable mention to the Golden State Warriors, who were at $7.7 billion, the richest franchise in the NBA. Their valuation on the court, 8-2 in their last 10. Now, they're hovering around the 500 mark, but they're right now playing some of their best basketball of the year. In the NHL, honorable mention to the Florida Panthers. They've won four straight. They're 8-2 in their last 10, 35-15-4 on 74 points going into the weekend. But they're one of the smaller business units in the NHL at a Forbes valuation of just $775 million. But none of them are in our Power 5. Number 5. It's the 9-1 Cleveland Cavaliers, 9-1 in their last 10 games. They're 36-17 during the NBA All-Star break. They're the 16th richest franchise in the NBA at a valuation of $3.35 billion. Number four. The New York Rangers have an enterprise value of $2.65 billion, second only in the NHL to the Toronto Maple Leafs. On the ice, they've won six straight, the 35-16-3 on 73 points, 7-2-1 on the last 10. But bad news going into the weekend, Blake Wheeler could be out for the rest of the season. Number three. 
It's the Vancouver Canucks, the 12th richest franchise in the National Hockey League. They go into the weekend 37-12-6 and on 80 points with a six-point bulge over three teams knotted at 74 points. Canucks are 7-1-2 in the last 10. They've won three straight. Their Forbes valuation, $1.32 billion, and they're still basking in the afterglow of that NHL All-Star game where they had six players and a coach represented. Number two. The heritage brand of the Boston Celtics is number two on the power rankings this week. The Celtics go into this NBA All-Star weekend 43-12, and 8-2 in their last 10, first in the Eastern Conference and the best overall record in the NBA. Their Forbes valuation, $4.7 billion on the strength of uh, more than $250 million in annual revenues. Number one. It's Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Andy Reid, and yes, Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs valuation $4.7 billion will only go up as a result of their win in Super Bowl 58. They take out the 49ers for their second straight, and as long as Patrick Mahomes is quarterback and healthy, these guys are going to be a factor. So the Chiefs come out of Super Bowl 58, the hottest franchise in North American professional sport. And again, I can't say enough how remarkable it is for a small metropolitan market of about 500,000, 750,000, if you include Kansas City, Kansas, on the other side of the river, has become such a television uh, 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 influencer, has become a global brand. And there's a lot of number 15 jerseys throughout North America and around the world. On revisiting our podium, headlined by our gold medal story, which is Super Bowl, we've talked about the women factor. 47.5% of the Super Bowl Super Bowl audience in the United States was women. That's a record. That's part of the swift lift. The fact that you've got overall female audience up 9% year over year, including 24% spike in 18s to 24 and an 11% spike in 12 to 17, teenagers essentially, is pretty incredible stuff. But what we're not talking enough about is the Canada factor here. You had an average U.S. audience of 123.7 million. Well, the average national audience in Canada was 10 million. You do a per capita comparison, given the fact that we're you know, about one-tenth the size of the United States, you're looking at at least 93 million. If Canada was the same size as the U.S., you'd have 93 million Canadians watching on average. That is remarkable in terms of how big the NFL has become here in Canada. The global reach is going to be the biggest ever by a long shot. 60 to 70 million average viewership from around the world. Think of it. Canada represents 10 million of the 60 to 70 million non-Americans who tuned in to watch the Super Bowl. That's just an amazing number in terms of fan engagement here in Canada. In terms of the halftime show, uh, others have talked about it. The NFL does not pay its celebrities uh, to do the uh, Apple Music halftime show. But Usher, nonetheless, drove $52 million in media value just from having 
his show at halftime in front of that audience of more than 125 million. That is one of the other statistics here, is how important the halftime show is to driving average national audience for the whole telecast. If you enjoy rating and debating the bulls and bears, the sport as much as we do, follow us on X at the Sport Market. That's T-H-E, Sport Market. I think at that moment, you want to be in the best environment, and that's where we're at. We want to play against the best, and Toronto is one of the best teams in the league, and we all know that. And just to take it, obviously, it's not the result we wanted, but it's so special.